I believe that your word is profitable and that there's something here for all of us. I pray you'd help me, Lord, remove my flesh and give me the ability, Father, uh, to be able to preach your word, Lord, in a way that administers to everybody who's here tonight. We love you, Father. In your precious name I pray. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Exodus chapter number 24. And Exodus 24 is one of those chapters where most preachers, when they're, uh, I think when they're preaching through Exodus, they might just skip through it. It's a chapter that I kind of uh, see as a transitional chapter. The last few weeks we've been studying, um, you know, just really diverse laws and ordinances, going through those uh, uh, chapters there and just going through kind of random law after random law after random law. And I've actually enjoyed as we've studied that and been able to, to apply that to our lives and learn a lot from it. But now we're kind of transitioning into a, a, a part of the book of Exodus where Moses goes up into the mountain. If you remember, he goes up in the mountain with God, and we saw that there in the last part, of, uh, the last verse there. And he spends 40 days and 40 nights fasting with God in the mountain. And in those 40 days, God allows Moses to really take a look into heaven. And God allows Moses to see the tabernacle. He allows him to see the Ark of the Covenant. He allows him to see all the... And God gives him instructions of how He wants him to build a tabernacle. And He wants him to build an Ark. And He wants him... How He wants the, the garments for the priest to dress. And He gives him instructions of all those things. And we're going to be studying that for the next few weeks. And I hope you get excited about that. Some people think, that's boring. I, I think it's interesting. I think it's exciting to be able to study the Ark of the Covenant, to be able to study the tabernacle and all those things. Most people don't really understand a lot of those things or understand, so we'll, we'll get into that on Wednesday night to the next few weeks, but here we kind of find a transition from going from giving all those laws into Moses going up into the mountain. And if you look at verse 1, the Bible says, and he, that he is referring there to God, it says, and he said unto Moses, come up unto the Lord, thou, notice what he says, thou and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders. So Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu are those who are going to become the priest. And the 70 elders of Israel, do you remember um, when we studied Jethro there? Jethro came out and he explained to, to Moses how he was doing too much and he needed to get help. And they, they ordained there those 70 elders of Israel to help him. And it says, God said, uh, verse 1, He said unto Moses, Come up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off. I'd like you to see that. God invited uh, these men to come up unto the Lord. But if you look at the last part of verse 1, it says, and worship ye. Notice what he says. He says, worship ye afar off. So he said, I want you to bring these men, and they're going to worship God. They're going to come up to God, but they're going to worship God afar off. Now look at verse 2. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord. Do you see that? There's a contrast there. He says, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, the elders of Israel, they're going to come up with Moses, but they're going to worship afar off. But he says, Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh, neither shall the people go up with him. Do you see that? There's a contrast there between these people. God called them all up, but he said, some of you are going to worship afar off, and he said, some of you are going to come near uh, the Lord. He said, Moses is the only one that's going to come near the Lord. Now, you say, why are you making a big deal about that? Well, what you've got to understand is, all throughout the Bible, and all throughout uh, the stories uh, of Scripture, we find that certain people are always closer to God than other people. So if you remember, when we were studying through the book of Genesis, the Bible says about Abraham, you don't have to turn to these passages, but it says in Abraham, in Second Chronicles 20, verse 7, and in James chapter 2, and verse 23, it says that Abraham, it refers to Abraham as the friend of God. 
And I don't know about you, but that's the kind of friend I'd like to have. And, and by the way, no one else in the Bible is referred to as being the friend of God. Exodus 33.11, the Bible refers to Moses as talking face to face with God as a friend speaketh unto a friend. But Abraham was the only person that was said he was a friend of God. Now, that's pretty good too, to talk to God like a friend talks to a friend. That'd be pretty, pretty good, right? The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 13.14 about David. We're told that David had a heart... Uh, was a man after God's own heart. Very interesting. If you study the, the life of the disciples, and I think here in maybe a few weeks or so, we might do a, 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 Wednesday, a Sunday night Bible study on the 12 disciples. And if you study the life of the 12 disciples, you know, you had, you had the 70, remember the 70 that the Lord Jesus Christ sent out soul winning? But then you had the 12, the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles there. But even in the 12 disciples, you had an inner circle of John, James, and Peter. And John, James, and Peter were closer to Jesus Christ than any of the other uh, apostles. And if you uh, read this, through the Gospels there, you find John, James, and Peter are always closer to Jesus Christ. There's more stories about them there. And, and, and out of those inner circle, John was the closest to the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, he was the one that, that uh, laid upon his bosom there. And he was the one that the Lord loved, is what the Bible says. So, throughout Scripture, you find often that people have certain relationships with God. And they're just closer to God and to Jesus Christ than other people. Now, is that to say that, that God loves those people more than others? No. The Bible says that God is not a respecter of persons. You have as much of an opportunity to have a relationship with God as Moses did, as Abraham did, as John did. But for some reason, some people have closer walks with God than others. And I believe when God told Moses here, He says, I want you to come. He says, come now. He says, bring Aaron, bring Nadab, bring Abihu, bring the 70 of the elders of Israel. And He says, I want you to bring these people up. They're going to stay and worship afar off. You're going to come near. I believe that in a a way must have broken uh, Moses' heart because Moses had a desire that everybody served God. If you remember the story, we'll get to it later in the book of Exodus. But if you remember the story, when people were prophesying, and remember Joshua, who was the minister of, of, of Moses there, he was, he was a servant of Moses, he took care of Joshua was, was defensive and loyal to Moses, and Joshua went to, to Moses, and he said, these people are prophesying. And he said, you want me to go stop him? And Moses said to Joshua, he said, what to God that everyone had the Spirit of God. He said, what to God everybody prophesied. He said, it's not, I'm not special. He said, I wish everybody could preach and could prophesy and could teach the way I do. Moses had, this, had a desire to see the whole congregation come close to God. He had a desire for the whole nation of Israel to have a relationship with God like he did. And I think as we study this chapter, you'll find that he begins to take a few steps to try to help these people have the same relationship with God that he had. You say, what are you talking about? Look down at verse number 4. And I don't want to be very long tonight. I know it's Wednesday night. You're tired. And uh, we've got choir practice and all sorts of other stuff, but uh, look at look at verse number four real quickly, and we'll go. We'll try to go quick tonight. The Bible says in verse four, and Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and built an altar under the hill and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took notice he built an altar. He made a sacrifice, and in verse 6 it says, Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins. And half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. So he took half the blood and he used it for the sacrifice, the way he was supposed to. Look at verse 7. 
And he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people. And they said, all that the Lord hath said will we do and be obedient. Look at verse 8. And Moses took the blood. Remember, he took half the blood and he sprinkled it on the altar. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. You say, I'd like to have a relationship with God maybe closer than other people have. You say, I'd like to have a relationship with God like Moses did. I'd like to have a relationship with God like Abraham did. I'd like to have a relationship with God like John did. And, and, and it all starts, I believe, right here. The first thing that Moses does is he takes a sacrifice, he takes the blood, he takes half the blood, he uses for the for the offering there, but then he takes the other blood and he sprinkles it upon the people. You say, what does that have to do with anything? Well, keep your finger there in Exodus 24 because we're coming back to it, obviously. That's our text tonight. But go just real quickly, it'll be the book of Ephesians. Ephesians... Chapter number 2 in your New Testament there, Ephesians, chapter number 2, and I'd like to show you something. Look at verse number 13, Ephesians chapter number 2, and verse number 13, you say, what, what is that blood thing about? What does that uh, mean, or what, what was he doing that? Well, in Ephesians chapter number 2, and verse number 13, the Bible says, but now, are you there? I'd like you to see it. Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse 13. It says, but now, look what he says. In Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off, were, were far off are made nigh. Do you see that? The word nigh there, it means you're, you're brought close. He says we're made nigh by the blood of Christ. You see that? See the blood there, when Moses takes that blood and he sprinkles it, what he's saying to these people, he says, he says God has asked me to be closer. He asked me to draw near. He asked you to stay far. And he says, let me tell you something. The first step to having a close walk, a close relationship with God, comes through salvation. Comes through getting saved. Comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. Look what it says. Look at verse 13 again. It says, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You see that? Keep your finger there in Ephesians or put your bulletin or something because we're going to come back to that as well. But go with me real quickly to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number... I said number 15. I'm not, this isn't in my notes tonight. I just thought of something. Let me see if I can find it real quick. 1 Corinthians. Where do I want you to go? I'll find it real quick. I didn't put it in my notes. But I want you to see it. First Corinthians. That was chapter 15. Hmm. Uh, I want you in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That's where I want you to go. 2 Corinthians. I apologize for that. Those are my notes. I just want to show you something. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse number... And these are verses we've seen before. But uh, uh, verse number uh, 17. First, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, here's what I'm trying to sh- uh, explain to you. The Bible says that God reconciled. That terminology of reconciled means that there was a... a, 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 there was a issue with our relationship. We were separated in relationship. When you, it's like, you know, when you see these young people, whatever, and they're dating. You know what I'm talking about? Then they break up, and then they 
reconcile. They get back together, you know. And usually with young people, they break up, and then they reconcile, and they break up, and then they reconcile, you know what I'm talking about? But that's the terminology there, is that there was a broken relationship, and he gave, look at verse uh, uh, 18, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled uh, 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 us to himself by Jesus Christ. And here's what I want you to understand, and I don't think, I, I don't know that we do a good job of explaining this, but you've got to understand this. When you see human beings... When you see the world out there, you've got to understand that everybody who's not saved, everybody who's not a Christian, everybody, and, and, and let me explain this to you. Those terminologies, saved, Christian, born again, the world doesn't understand that. I'm using that in church tonight. You say, well, how would you explain that to somebody uh, that's not saved? I, I'd ask them this question. Do you know for sure if you died today, would you go to heaven? If their answer is, I don't, you know, I don't walk up to somebody and say, are you a Christian? Everyone's a Christian. But those people who are not saved, who do not know that they are, who, who would answer that question, I don't know. I hope I'm going to heaven. I think I'm going to heaven. Or even if they answer the question, I know I'm on my way to heaven, and then you ask them, how do you know you're on your way to heaven? And they say, well, because I try to live a good life, or I do good things, or whatever. Those people have a problem that is a problem of a relationship with God that they do not have. See, the average church today tries to minister to the world through, you know, let's get them marriage counseling. Let's get them off their drugs. Let's get them off their alcohol. Let's get them, you know, let's, let's help them with their finances. And look, I'm all for helping you with your marriage. I'm all for getting you off of drugs and getting you off of alcohol. I'm all for helping you with your marriage. I'm all for helping with your finances. But what you got to understand is what this world needs is not help, it's salvation. Is that they're not saved. Is that they're on their way to hell. Is that they need the blood. You say, well, that person needs Jesus to help them with their life. No, they need Jesus to help them with their salvation. That's what they need. They're on their way to hell. That's what they're getting. And the Bible says that we draw nigh to God by the blood. That's what they need. That's why we don't have... Yeah, you say, well, shouldn't you go out and, and, you know, why doesn't your church go out and help the homeless? We do go out and help them. Do you feed the homeless? No, we go out and we try to get the homeless guy saved. That's what we try to do. And I'm all for feeding the homeless. But look, it does no good to feeding a homeless person and sending their soul to hell. You know, and the average church in America today wants to do all these ministries. Let's build a well for the people in Africa. And let's build a high, and let's build a well and build a hospital. That's fine. But give them the gospel while you're doing it. You know why I'm anti most of these uh, ministries? is because they go out and they build a well. They go out and they build a, the school. They go out and they build the hospital. They go out and they, you know, they bring all the Christmas presents. And they do all those things. But they never speak to anybody about salvation. They never open up the Bible. They wouldn't even know how to give you the, the, uh, the gospel. If they, they couldn't do it if they tried because they don't know how to do it. That's the problem. That's the issue. You say, why is the world not nigh to God? Maybe it's because they're not saved. That's the problem. And by the way... That's why church is not for the unsaved. And I'm all for bringing the unsaved to church. Let me tell you something. These sermons, this Bible, the, the preaching that's done here, that's not for the unsaved. You know what they say, well, what does the unsaved need? The gospel, that's what they need. Jesus Christ, that's what they need. You say, I'd like them to have, I've got an unsaved family member, I've got an unsaved friend, or an unsaved loved one. I'd like them to draw nigh to God. The first step, my friend, is going to be the blood of Jesus Christ. It's going to be salvation. Is they need to be saved. That's it. You say, well, what happens after they get saved? We'll go back to Exodus chapter 24. Exodus chapter number 24. Look at verse number 4 again. Exodus chapter number 24. Look at verse number 4. The emphasis of our church and the emphasis of our ministry, the emphasis of the Bible is soul winning. It's salvation. It's the gospel. It's getting people saved. That's what it is. 
Exodus chapter number 24, look at verse number 4 again. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and built an altar under the hill and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel which offered, I want you to see this, burnt offerings. Do you see that? And sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. The first step that Moses takes to try to show these people how to bring them near unto God is he does it through the blood of the sacrifice. But the second thing I'd like you to see is that he did a sacrifice. Now a sacrifice is something that you do and it costs you something. Moses took there an animal. That, that cost him something. That was something that belonged to him. And he took that and he offered that to God. And let me tell you something. Today, in 2012, we as Christians, you, you say, uh, you say uh, uh, I know, so, you know uh, I'd like so-and-so to get saved. Go with me to Romans real quickly. Romans chapter number 12. You say, I'd like so-and-so to, to, to draw nigh to God. Or I'd like my children to draw. Well, first of all, do you know they're saved? Do you know? You, you say, well, they come to church. That's not what I asked. Do you know they're saved? Well, well, they read their Bible. That's not what I said. Do you know they're on their way to heaven? Have you ever preached them the gospel? And we've got to get away from this idea. Look, let me tell you something. The vast majority of this world is unsaved, is lost, is on their way to heaven. I get tired of, of listening to people. You, you know, most soul winners I've ever known in my life, you know, you've you got to try to talk to soul winners to give them the gospel to someone because they just want to assume everybody's saved. Because the person said, God bless you at the door. Oh, they must be saved. <laughs> and they like, well, wait, wait a minute. Did you ask them about that? Well, you know, they said something about Jesus. <laughs> hey, look. The Bible says, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that go there. The Bible says, narrow is the way. You know, most people aren't saved. I, I hate to break it to you. They're not saved. All these false religions, they're not saved. Do they live good lives? I didn't ask if they live a good life. I said, do, you, do they know they're on the way to heaven? Through Jesus Christ. But once you get saved, let me tell you something, once you get saved, the only way to draw nigh to God is to sacrifice. Is to give a sacrifice. You say, sacrifice what? You're there in Romans chapter number 12? Look at verse number 1. Romans chapter number 12, verse 1, very well-known verses. Not looking at anything new tonight. Romans chapter number 12 and verse 1, the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore brethren. That word beseech there, he's, the Apostle Paul is saying, I, I'm begging you. He said, I'm urging you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, notice what he says, that ye present your bodies. You see that? That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let me tell you something. The reason today people are not close to God is because they haven't made their bodies a living sacrifice to God. Because if your body was a sacrifice, you wouldn't have to you wouldn't be conformed to this world. If your body was a sacrifice, you wouldn't you know the re- let, me, let me just be real frank with you. And I think you're used to that around here. But, you know, the, when you say, I think it's nice to go soul winning, but I'm not going to do it. You know, you know where that mentality comes from? It's because you're not giving your body a sacrifice. If you ask the ox, or you ask the sheep, that these people would burn, you know, would, would, would kill and burn, you think they wanted to do that? They didn't have a choice. And in our Christian lives, my friend, you and I have to get to the place where, number one, you're saved, but number two, you're a sacrifice. 
where you say whether I like it or not, whether I want to do it or not, whether I want to show up or not, whether I want to read the Bible or not, I'm going to read the Bible. Whether I want to pray or not, I'm going to pray. Whether I want to go to church or not, I'm going to show up for church. Whether I want to go so many or not, I'm going to go so many. Whether I want to do right or not, I'm going to do right. Why? Because a sacrifice is what you need to get close to God. I'm just trying to explain to you why you feel, you say, I feel like I'm so far from God. Maybe because you're not a sacrifice. Maybe because they haven't given yourself as a sacrifice to God. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. And I, I love this, I can't skip over this. He says, which is your reasonable service. You know, you're not, you're, you're not super Christian because you show up for church on Wednesday night. I hate to break it to you. It's reasonable. It's expected. Based on what He did for you. Based on the fact that He took your sin. Based on the fact that He died on the cross. Anything you do, you know, we, we, as a pastor, I understand I have to do this. But sometimes people do something for God and we got to pat them on the back and we got to clap. You know, and then, oh, good job. Oh, good job. Because we're trying to mature them to the place where they do it without the clap. I get that. I understand that. But let me tell you something. Everything you do for God, it's reasonable. Amen. You're nothing special. Well, I showed up for church on Wednesday night. That's reasonable. You showed up to church every night. That'd be reasonable for what Jesus Christ did for you. You say, how do I draw nigh to God? Well, number one, you got to get saved. Number two, you got to get sacrificed. <laughs> number three, go back to Exodus 24. We're almost done. I told you I was going to be fast tonight. Exodus chapter number 24. Exodus chapter number 24. He teaches these people, you got to get saved. He teaches them, we got to give sacrifices. we got to give ourselves. we got to yield ourselves. we got to put ourselves in that situation where we allow God to be in charge. Where, whether we like it or not. But number three, let me tell you something. The only way you're going to get close to God. Look at verse number three. And Moses came and told the people. Look what it says. All the words of the Lord. And all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord hath said will we do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and built an altar under the hill and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. Skip down to verse number 7. Look what it says. And he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people and they said, All that the Lord hath said will we do and be obedient. Skip down to verse number 12. Look what it says. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount, and be there, and I will give thee tables of stones, and a law and commandments which I have written. Look what it says. That thou mayest teach them. Let me tell you something. The only way you're going to draw nigh to God is to study. Is to know the Bible. The first thing Moses does when God says, Hey, I want you to draw nigh to me. These people are going to say, Bob, I want you to draw nigh to me. The first thing he does, look at verse 3. First thing he does, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord had said will we do. The emphasis is on the Bible. The emphasis is on the Word of God. The emphasis is on reading the Bible. Look at verse 7. And he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people and they said all that the Lord had said will we do and be obedient look at verse 12 again and the Lord said unto Moses come up to me into the mount and be there and I will give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written that thou mayest teach them let me tell you something the reason we have Christians that are so far away from God is because we have Christians I'm telling you right now we have Christians who don't read their Bibles and I'm not going to ask you and don't raise your hand but if I ask you today how's your Bible reading How, could you say when's the last time you even picked up the Bible and read it and we have this idea that somehow we're going to draw close to God and we're going to be right there where God is and He's going to give us His blessing 
Or we're all like Moses. Look, Moses was Moses because he drew nigh to God. And you, you can have that same relationship, but how's your Bible reading? How's your prayer time? How's your walk with God? How's your devotional time? The only way to get to... Look, this is the mind of God right here. So I want to know God. Here it is, right here. Bible says, uh, uh, Jesus said, you know, I, uh, the Bible says that Jesus is the Word in John 1. The Bible says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. Go with me real quickly to 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and look at verse number uh, 15 real quickly. 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and look at verse number 15. 2 Timothy 2.15 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study. You see that? Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. My friend, you've got to get saved. You've got to become a sacrifice. And you've got to study. If you want to be close to God, you've got to study your Bible. Let me tell you something. You know, either, either this Sunday or in a couple weeks, I'm going to preach a sermon on how to study your Bible and try to teach you how to study your Bible. But let me tell you something. Studying your Bible doesn't mean you read a verse in the Bible and then you read, you know, four chapters from another book trying to explain you that. I'm all for reading. I love reading. I love reading books, you know, and stuff. But when it comes to studying your Bible, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Somebody said this to me, somebody said this to me when I was a young man, and I, I think it's great advice. Uh, a preacher said to me, you, you know, what we call study where you're like, you know, studying a passage or whatever. Let me tell you something. If you've never read your Bible, you know, this is, I'll just tell you what was told to me. Unless you've read your Bible cover to cover five times, you shouldn't be worried about studying anything in the Bible. You say, well, what should I be worried about? Reading the Bible. <laughs> that you need to, you need to, how are you, you know, well, you say, well, Pastor Matt, how do you study your, your text for, for a sermon? You know what I do? I take my text and I read it about 30 times. Before I even start writing down a note, before I even start writing a thought or an idea, I read it and I read it and I read it and I read it. And I don't understand how people expect, Pastor, I'm going to study anti-prophecy. You've never read the Bible, my friend. <laughs> Read your Bible. Put the time in. Read it cover to cover, time and time and time and time again. And when you read it five times, then let's talk about, you know, people want to walk up to me after preaching on end times or preaching on this or preaching on that, and they want to try to correct me on doctrine. I'm thinking to myself, you ever read your Bible? Look, look at me. Don't, don't talk to me about Bible doctrines when, when you've, you know, well, I'm, I'm through, uh, I'm up to, ex- you know, I'm halfway through Exodus. Well, what are you doing? Reading it with us on Wednesday nights? <laughs> You know, good night. Get alone with God and your Bible, my friend. Say, Pastor, why are you saying this? Because I'd like you to draw nigh to God. You get... Yeah, by the way, you, you want to study your Bible? Bible study night is Wednesday night. <laughs> you want to study your Bible? Come to church on Sunday morning. Hey, on Sunday morning, I don't even... You know, on Sunday morning, you, you want to study the Bible? Hey, on Sunday morning, we, we preached through like 58 verses. Verse by verse, chapter, you know, went right through it. Probably more than that. Sunday night, we're going through a lot. You say, I want to study my Bible. You study your Bible in church while you read your Bible at home. And you, and you, you read your Bible a few, a few times, say, study it. Memorize it. I'm okay with that. But let me tell you something. You study the Bible. You get to know the Bible. You show up to church. You'll draw no night of God. Go with me real quick. Remember, I told you to keep your finger there in Ephesians, right? Go to Ephesians real quick. We're almost done. I told you, I'm not preaching long tonight. This is my liberal sermon tonight. Ephesians chapter 4. Real quickly, look what it says. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse number 11. The Bible says, And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, 
You say, why did he do that? Why did he give some apostles? Why did he give some prophets? Why did he give some pastors? Why did he give some teachers? Look at verse 12. For. That word for there means because. He says, I gave you a pastor. He says, I gave you a teacher. For the, look what he says, perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You see that? He says, I gave you a pastor for the work of the ministry. You say, Pastor, you're always asking us to do something for God. That's why I'm here. <laughs> For the work of the ministry. For the perfecting. Uh, uh, for, for the perfecting of the saints. That's you. That's maturing you. That's helping you become everything that God has called you to be. For the work of the ministry. Look. For the edifying. That's what I'm talking about building. For the edifying of the body of Christ. You know. I, I don't know if you understand this. I don't know if you get this. I don't know if some of you really comprehend this. But the purpose of church. The purpose of preaching. Is to help you. I'm not, you know, we put our sermons on the internet. I'm not preaching for the internet crowd. I'm preaching for you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to allow the Holy Spirit to work through me to help you. And you know, this attitude that some of us have, where we find, you know, we find any excuse to just skip out on church. And look, I understand, sometimes you're, you're so sick you can't come to church. I get that. I understand that. I'm talking about those who have made a custom and a pattern and, and have made a habit of, of skipping out on church. Let me tell you something. You're skipping out on a relationship with God. You say, Pastor, you just want me to come. You just want us to come here. You preach. I don't really care if you come here and me preach. But these sermons and these studies and this Bible is meant to help you. Look, let me tell you something. I'm happy in Jesus Christ, whether you show up or not. I read my Bible this week, whether you show up or not. Hey, I've got a godly wife, whether you show up or not. My kids are memorizing the Bible, whether you show up or not. So guess what? Whether you show up or not, I'm okay. But this is to help you. It's to work for you, you know. And, and, and I, I think it's, it's funny because so many people come to this church and, and as I'm, they're walking out the door, Pastor, that was a great sermon. That's exactly what I needed. And I think to myself, yeah, last week is what you needed too. When you didn't show up. You know, and, and I, you know. We sit here and we read and study and labor and work to preach sermons for you. And it's the work. Who thinks they can get up here and preach a 45 to 1 hour sermon? Ask those guys that mess preach tonight. Is it hard? Is it easy? Does it come easy? Come easy to write a 5 minute sermon? I'm not, trying, I'm not trying to brag. I hope you understand that. I'm trying to explain to you. It's work to get up here and preach the sermon. You know, some, sometimes what I like to do is when, when you guys say, Pastor, we'd like to have you over for dinner. And I say, wow, that'd be nice. And you know what I like to do? Five minutes before I'm supposed to show up, say, ah, I don't feel good, I'm not going to make it. See how you feel. Well, I was working all, I was working all day. I, 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 I made a roast beef, and I made mashed potatoes, and I made gravy, and I made a pie. And at the last minute, you skipped out, and I did all this work. And I think, how's it feel? I understand sometimes we're sick. I get that. But you, you skip out on church. You skip out on your Bible reading. You skip out on your prayer time. You put God at the end of the list on every area of your life. And then you wonder why I just don't feel close to God. So how do I draw nigh to God? Salvation. How do I draw nigh to God? Sacrifice. How do I draw nigh to God? Study. To show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. 
Go back to Exodus 24. We're done. Let me just give you a few closing thoughts. Exodus 24. Exodus 24. Look what it says. Exodus 24, look at verse 9. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw, look what it says, do you see that? And they saw the God of Israel. Who saw the God of Israel? Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 of the elders. The same guys that were told you're going to worship afar off. Now look, they didn't go to the mount. I'll give you that. But after the sacrifice, after the blood, after the studying, after the reading, guess what they got to do? They saw God. Look at verse 11. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also they saw God and did eat and drink. Now hold on a second. Did God mention the nobles of the children of Israel at the beginning? Who did he mention? Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, the 70 of the elders. Who did he mention in verse uh, 9 and 10? Nadab, Abihu, 70 of the elders of Israel. They saw God. But in verse 11, he says, The nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand also, but they saw God. You see that? They saw God also, and did eat and drink. Look at verse 12. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up uh, uh, to me into the mount, and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone, and a law, and commandments, which I have written, that thou mayest teach them. Look at verse 13. And Moses rose up early, and his minister Joshua, and Moses went up into the mount of God, and he said unto the elders, Tarry ye here for us until we come again unto you, and behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man have any matter to do, let him come unto them. And Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount, and the glory of the Lord abode upon the mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days, and the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud, and the sight of the glory, look what it says, and the sight, you see that? The word sight there means they got to see something. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of a mountain. Isn't that cool? I'd love to see that. God descend from heaven on the top of the mountain, it just looks like he's devouring the top of the mountain. Look what it says though, don't miss this. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mountain. Look what it says. In the eyes of the children of Israel. Do you see that? Verse 1 and 2, God says, Moses, come up near. And I want you to bring Nadab, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 of the elders. They're going to worship afar off. Moses gets to work. Studying the Bible. Teaching the Bible. Sacrificing. Giving them the blood, representing salvation. And at the end of the verse, we find Moses still goes up to the mountain. But we find that Nadab, what were their names again? Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the 70 of the elders get to see God. But then, people that weren't even mentioned, the nobles got to see God. And in verse 17, look at it. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mountain. In, look what it says, in the eyes of the children of Israel. The entire congregation of the children of Israel got to see God. You know, they didn't see His face, obviously, but they saw His glory coming on that mount. These people weren't even mentioned. Say, what happened? A man said, let me teach you about salvation. See this blood here? A man said, let me teach you about sacrificing. You see these sacrifices here? A man said, let me teach you about reading the Bible and studying the Bible and knowing the Bible. And what happens? People that before did not have the option to see God, now the whole congregation got to see God. You say, Pastor, what, what, are, you, what are you saying? I wonder if your family, who maybe never even had the option to see God, if you would get on fire, 
if you would become a sacrifice. If you would read your Bible. If you would just get on fire for God. I wonder if God would allow them to see it. Because you made a difference. You, you know what I love about Moses? Is that he's so often through the scriptures just interceding for these people. Just becoming that bridge. That's what we're called to do. Remember, you don't have to go back there, but remember he said in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. If you'd like to draw an eye to God, my friend, number one, you better be saved. There's no way you're going to draw an eye to God if you're not saved. But you ought to become a sacrifice and you ought to study. You ought to read. You ought to know your Bible. You ought to show up for church. You ought to love the Word of God. You ought to go soul winning. That's how you draw an eye to God. There's nothing special about it. Nothing special about Moses. Nothing special about Paul. There are men and women in the Bible, just like you and I, they just were more determined to know God. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Father, we love you, Lord, so much. Thank you for our church. And Lord, thank you for a group of people who show up to church on Wednesday night. I pray you bless the time, bless the scriptures, Father. In your precious name I pray. Amen.